Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fort Collins Fellas. I am Chris Murphy with co-host Patrick Sukup. And today is going to be a great day. We're talking food, the food scene in Fort Collins. And we are so excited to have Kat Reeves. She is one of the co-owners of Bistro Natil, a fantastic restaurant down in Old Town, Fort Collins. And a special guest, Chef Ryan, is with us as well. Ryan, it's great to have you. Thank you guys both for coming on board. And, you know, we were doing a whole thing in June around the food scene and the restaurant scene in Fort Collins. And so this is just going to be fantastic. And, you know, Kat, I'll let you start and, and, and Ryan as well. And just kind of give our listeners and viewers a little background of, you know, how Bistro Natil came about, how you got into the restaurant scene. And, and we'll just take it from there. So thanks again. Okay, well, I'll start with some background. In 2001, my ex-husband and I opened, uh, well, my ex-husband opened Fish Restaurant in the same location that Bistro Natil is at 150 West Oak Street. And, you know, at that time, Fort Collins didn't have a seafood restaurant. So he felt like that was fulfilling a niche. And for, uh, I was one of the original servers. That's how we met. And we we got married about six years later and we co ran that restaurant for 19 years and chef Ryan became our chef in 2016 and uh, Mike stepped away from the restaurant in 2017 and Ryan kind of taught me how to do my job as far as the kitchen went. Um, I was at front of the house stuff, but I had no idea how to cut fish or uh, really do anything in the kitchen. So Ryan and I became very close through that time and we always talked about running a restaurant together because we're very similar um, in a lot of ways in our meticulousness and our passion and the way we like to do things. So in 2016, it became very apparent that uh, fish was no longer going to be viable because the prices of seafood kept raising and raising and we were rather pigeonholed into seafood only. So in the beginning of 2020, I reached out to Ryan and asked him if he would still be interested in uh, running a restaurant with with me. And he said, absolutely. Of course, this was totally separate from the pandemic. So we uh, chose to announce that we were going to rebrand in March of 2020. And a little harsh, uh, two days after we announced our rebranding, Jared Polis shut down all the restaurants and there ended 19 years of fish. So we did a major remodel. Ryan was able to make the kitchen just the way he wanted it, which was a pretty big gift. And uh, we opened his Bistro Natil on June 15th of 2020. It was a little bit of a bumpy road there for the first couple of years as uh, the last couple of years have been for all people in the restaurant. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited to say that I think that we're uh, proving to be viable as we get ready to celebrate our two-year anniversary on June 15th. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. I remember when I first went to your restaurant, I was eating out in the patio in the parking lot because of all the COVID restrictions. And it was a great meal <laughs> in the parking lot. <laughs> now, were you guys able to take advantage of the PPP, seeing as you guys were shut down and then opened up June 15th? And so you didn't have a payroll maybe at that time, which was kind of how PPP was based and really a, a lifeline for a lot of these restaurants? We were. Um So the PPPs did not necessarily rely on having been open through the entire period of the pandemic. What they relied on was how long you had been operating as a business 
And because Bistro Nautil was a DBA change rather than a separate entity with a new tax ID number, awesome. we were able to take uh, advantage of all of the government loans that were offered to established restaurants. And that's the only reason we made it through the pandemic. I mean, you know, we worked really hard. Ryan worked especially hard, but uh, it was impossible to be viable for about a year and a half. Yeah. I think Those, that's the only reason why majority of restaurants made it was PPP, RFA. Um, you know, that was a, a massive lifeline that I don't think the downtown specifically scene would be nearly as vibrant as it is today without those. Agreed. Absolutely. Chef, what's some of your background? Uh-oh. Right, can you hear it's us? That, it's that downtown uh, right between 10 to, to 2 p.m. of all the... Uh, uh, wireless getting all plugged up. I know. I don't know if you could hear us. I can hear you now. Oh, you can hear me. Okay, perfect. Ryan, how about a little, yeah, background on how you got started. I, I saw that you got quite a resume and from culinary school to, I'm going to butcher it. Is it sommelier? <laughs> like the wine, is that how you pronounce it? Sommelier? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, got our level one sommelier through the quartermaster Psalms in Boulder. And uh, that was a pretty challenging experience because we never or I'm not as into wine as Kat is, but it was definitely needed for tasting menus and for suggested pairings and things like that. It's, uh, it's helped me out along the way, especially at the hotel with private dinners and banquets and things like that. We need to be able to suggest suggested pairings and, you know, you don't have to go as far as Collier, but you know, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely helped. Are you still at the, the Stanley Hotel up in Estes Park? No, no. Okay. <laughs> how many, no. do you know, uh, Ryan, how many sommeliers, if any, are in Fort Collins? I'm sure there's quite a few. A lot of, the level one is actually very achievable and very applicable to, you know, the people that work in this industry. And I know there's a lot of bartenders that have their Cicerone, which is mainly focused on, you know, beer and spirits and things like that. So... Uh, it's definitely gives you a level-handed like uh, edge when it comes to management, working <laughs> with guests, and uh, also just you know, working in any bar around here. And I, I'd say there's probably quite a few around here. Gotcha. That's cool. So Ryan, how did you like my wife? Obviously, she's you know a big food blogger and loves cooking and everything like that. I'm in our kitchen right now. I thought I would, the theme of the, the the episode would be around food, so I I jumped in here, but. Tell us a little bit of background. Like, did you grow up cooking? And, you know, how did you, how'd you become a chef in, in Fort Collins? My dad uh, is the reason why I became a chef was nagging me not to do that. He said, you want to rub pots and pans and cook stuff and be in hot kitchens. And this is conversations that we were having from, no kidding, age seven to nine when we were fishing. And, you know, he was teaching me how to fillet fish and we were cooking fish up. And um, I think that's really where what really grabbed me as far as being a chef was rooted. My mom was a pretty good cook, too. So that's cool. That's yeah. Great. And, you know, there on out, my first job was a cashier at Panera Bread when I was 15, just turned 15. And then I wanted to see the kitchen. I wanted to see their little baked goods thing. So I got hands-on with that before going to school and after school and then work just became uh, you know really a passion for me when uh when I was at a really young age I've always been that way so I realized that 
you could move forward really quickly within kitchens and you could learn a lot of different things. And, you know, I just fell in love with it. And then from there on out, I had a second job as a salad expo at a steakhouse. And then I saw real food going out and, you know, not just like fast, quick service food. And then it really caught my eye, their attention to detail wiping plates and just seeing how much work goes into just getting food to the table. And then from there, I worked at a place called the Unpub, and that was huge. That was a very big volume place. Time out. Um, did I, I, I think you, you broke up just a touch. What, did what, say, where did you work? It's called the Onion Pub. Oh, oh the gosh, I 100%. <laughs> did you think the same thing, Chris? I thought you said the Hunt Club. That's exactly what I thought you said. I was like, that has got to be some high-class buffalo wings. No, this is all, this is all back, back home in Chicago. It was a big, big, huge. Like, we had a conveyor belt that pushed out weddings for 600, and they had a private lake in the back. It was, it was really done up nice. It was owned by the... They had just, they were already millionaires. And then they won the lottery there. They won a $365 million lottery and they gave all the money to their kids. And then their kids wanted to do this big brewery. And it was just flawless from, you know, floor to ceiling. Everything was brand new, brand new kitchen. And then, you know, I, I became a kitchen manager there. And then I got transferred to another family friend. And I have really close ties with a lot of, uh, cooks and pastry people, believe it or not, from where I grew up, like the, the old pastry chef of Alinea lived three doors down from me. And Alinea is that, you know, it's Grant Atkins place down in Chicago, the number one restaurant in the world at yeah. one point, you know, just being around that. And I, I did private dinners with her and that's what really set the tone. And it just, the cooking scene in general, just kept giving and giving and it provided more and more challenges and hills to climb. And I mean, I think my resume speaks for itself in regards to just going after whatever was in front of me. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to see after culinary school, the seed to table program. So I wanted to be a farmer. I wanted to see the purveyors. I wanted to see how food was transported and there's just so many facets and umbrellas in this field that it's just endless. You can do anything and everything. Right. That's, I mean, that's awesome, man. I love hearing that story. And it kind of goes into, this is for both you and Kat. You know, one of the questions I want to ask you is what, what are your, what are your thoughts on the overall Fort Collins? We're about Fort Collins here and everything like that. What is your thoughts on the Fort Collins food scene? And, you know, where would you like it to go or what you know, I'd, I'd love to get your take. I mean, I personally think that Bistro Natil is one of my favorite restaurants in Fort Collins. I tell everybody about it. And there's such an interesting scene in Fort Collins. You know, it's like, there's not like that Michelin star, where like, oh, you got to go there. But there's just a ton of like, you can tell, I mean, we got Fort Collins, Taste of Fort Collins coming up. There is a big beer and food scene in Fort Collins. And I'd love, you guys are in the heart of it. You work in it. You're in the kitchen. You own a restaurant. What what is your take on the overall Fort Collins scene? And, and Kat, maybe I'll I'll have you start us out. Well, I think there's a lot of restaurants in Fort Collins that do food well, 
but there's not very many restaurants in Fort Collins that focus on seed to uh, seed to tail, farm to table, local purveyors, and really making seasonal ingredients happen and working as a team with all aspects of food. There's actually an organization, Chef, what's the name of the certification we got from those people? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's on the door, exactly. He's looking at the door. <laughs> uh, I forget the name of it. Veronica, what's that certification on the door? The Food Shed Project? Yeah, the Food Shed Project. And so they certify restaurants that uh, work specifically with uh, farm-to-table local farmers, and you have to pass a bunch of certifications. And there's only three that are on their list as of the last time I checked. And uh, there's Little and Us and... The Regional. The Regional. Um, And so I think that that's a really important part of doing food right in Fort Collins. Um, and we're really proud to do that. There's a lot of food, like joking with me the other day, he said, man, it'd be so much easier to be doing pizza and tacos. Like there's, there's a lot of food out there that's easily accessible, especially as we go into um, a recession and people start to worry about price points. But uh, we try to strive for not necessarily accessible, but amazing and uh, putting a, a good value on the price point that we charge people. And, uh, you know, downtown's a really good place to be able to do that um, because lots of people are drawn to downtown and are drawn to the food scene down here because there's a really great cultural scene as well. Why is I'm curious, I'm curious, Sorry, I'm curious on, on that. Oak Street has been around, you know, and they've had some remodels over the years and uh, the growth of Fort Collins and Old Town continues to, to move south and north, but a little bit off the beaten path, but with some phenomenal gems, you know, with Jay's Bistro being there forever and, you know, the regional right there and Everyday Joe's great coffee shop, you know, so there's this just this sweet lineup of shops. How do you guys, how do you guys like being on Oak Street? Well, I think Oak Street's been called Restaurant Row for about 30 years. And <laughs> we opened before Jay's Bistro even actually moved onto Oak Street when they were in the Great Western Bank building right there on the corner of Oak. And then they moved over to Oak Street shortly after we opened his fish. And it's really great. We have the coolest neighbors in the world. The guys at Taj Mahal one year, our freezer broke. And um, this was when we were fish and there was thousands and thousands of dollars of product in our freezer. And they made room in their freezer to make sure that we were able to keep our product and not lose those thousands of dollars. The people that own Tasty Harmony, Jill and Sasha right next to us, um, their youngest and my youngest have gone to school together since kindergarten. And it's really fun to have that connection to them as humans. And then Colin, who owns Jay's Bistro now, um, is a great friend of Ryan. Ryan and Colin work together, I believe, at Jack's. Is that right, Chef? Yep. Um, and so it's just, it's really fun. Um, and then Kevin, who owns the regional, um, well, who owned the regional until recently, was Ryan's chef at Jack's. So to have these really intimate connections, people who are our neighbors and surround us, it makes us way more like a family than a set of restaurants. And it's pretty great. And it's also this amazing choice, right? You've got Indian food, you've got Italian, you've got, you know, all, all the different types of choices. Babalu's that's, uh, you know, Cuban, you know, a little oh, restaurant in there. Awesome. Yeah. And, and uh, so it's just, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty special for, yeah, if you're going downtown, 
a great option for you to just literally go walk and choose. And I just mentioned Gabe Armstrong at the Cricket Cup. I know you said that, but uh, we carry Gabe's espressos and coffees, and we think he has the best coffee in town. I love so we Cricket Cup. Yeah. Try to connect with our humans. That's just it. Well, Chef, yeah, I would, just to kind of piggyback on that, what, what are your overall thoughts on the, on the Fort Collins food scene? What's your take? It's the growing. Best. It's getting bigger. The city's need for more of the same thing, I feel like, is getting larger. So we're seeing a lot more, like we were talking about previously, taco shops, pizza places, burger joints. And uh, I think that's kind of the more frustrating aspect of it is that there's a lot more corporate hands getting in here because they know it's a generally you know college driven town and it's constantly changing every five years so people want their go-tos you know so it won't be long before like an in and out here i'm guessing or something along those lines but um yeah there's a handful of places that kind of do what i'd like to see more of which is more so you know utilizing local farms and you know, just being, doing their part as a restaurant and not neglecting the fact that somebody makes a living out of being a farmer down the street from us and wants to charge a little bit extra, like just buy it and put it on your menu. It tastes so much better. It helps our local agricultural program. And, you know, I, te- I tend to just always stick to the supplier on things. And I- I'd like to see more of that town personally. Um, there's a, again, a handful of people that actually go out of their way to go to the farm to pick up stuff and then bring it back to the restaurant, put it on the menu that night. And I'm proud that we're one of those people, you know, like I, even, even how busy I am, I still on graduation weekend, got in my car with the 25 minutes that I had drove to the farm, went in the cooler, got chased by one of the farmer guys there. Cause he didn't know who I was. And I was like, I left a check. And, you know, it's, it's, it's good. You know, it's, uh, it's something that I truly believe in and something that we need to start doing more of as a community. And, uh, you know, the farmer's market's right next door to us, which is really cool. There's a lot more food trucks around. I think that's great. I think that's giving people that local flair, which is kind of neat. And those food truck rallies are booming. You know, they're always busy. So you see a lot of good food trends going that way. And a lot of people getting out of these high rent cost places that don't own the buildings and just reverting back to a food truck, you know, because it's more manageable and it's cheaper to run. Yeah. And so Ryan, let's just kind of piggyback on that about the overall, like we were prior to recording, we were talking about owning the building and not owning the building. And Patrick, I mean, you got your family, you got a, a lot of knowledge on this as well. And Kat, but tell us a little bit about this. Like if you're going to open a restaurant, I would assume nine times out of 10, you're going to be leasing. You're not going to actually be owning the building and you own the building at Bistro Natil. Can you tell, you know, our listeners a little bit of, you know, what are the challenges of trying to create or or start a restaurant in Fort Collins when it comes to kind of, you know, the leasing and owning part of that aspect? Because that's a huge expense, I can imagine. I look at it as if you're leasing a place at, the amount of rent that's being charged, like you need high turnover in Old Town in order to do that. And you can't be pricing things on your menu for 12, 15, $16, which is what really, what people really want, but you know, they can't, they can't afford to keep their place open unless they're serving 
300 people, you know, for lunch and 200 people for dinner every day, I feel like. And that's my personal opinion on it. And I think it's kind of ridiculous that rent just keeps going up for people that don't own the building. Yeah. And I have no idea how they're going to make it or how other people are going to make it because, you know, there might be there might be a lot of people vacationing and walking around and being in Old Town, but I personally see a lot of people just eating, you know, or just going out all the time. It's just not consistent enough, especially since the uh, the amount of people that have moved to the south side of town or, you know, Fort Collins, even on the north side, it's branched out pretty yeah. far. What's that open market area? Well, you're going to have Montava going in in a couple of years up like Budweiser. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what that, hap- that has changed. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting to watch this place get taller and buildings get taller and the place to grow. And we're just going to hang on and see what happens. You know, I, I think we're one of a handful of places that's really trying to do the right thing and really trying to provide uh, what we want to provide. Do they cut out? No, you're good. Okay. How do you feel Fort Collins residents are as far as being receptive to that message and driven to support local? Or do you feel it's kind of washed over and yeah, it's great, but I'm going to go next door because it's got my, my Taco Tuesday $7 deal. Or do you feel like Fort Collins is intensive I've, about that? I've had this talk with Kevin at the regional and even Colin where, you know, during, during and after, straight after the pandemic, like we always have, we're always going to be busy on the weekends, but, you know, we, we strive to be consistent Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, since we're closed on Mondays and, you know, different marketing programs, different ways to bring people in. Like you can still be, you can still enjoy your night. And I really think we have our crowd set, but it's grasping the rest of the neighborhood on the everyday situation. The challenge right now. I'm going to add to that. I think that another thing that's really huge for people in terms of wanting to support local restaurants is knowing that the owners are on site doing things. I know that when I'm there and uh, I see people and I pour them water and I tell them who I am, they get really excited. Ooh, you're the owner. And I personally don't think that's fancy at all, but people get very excited by that personal level of service. And I know that other restaurants where like Sasha next door, he's in the kitchen. Um, The folks at Little, Brent and Dan, they're both there running the floor all the time. Collins at Jay's all the time. It makes a really big difference because there's somebody that cares no matter what. And uh, that shows in the employees, that shows in the food. You know, when, when your boss is around, you're gonna do your very best job. Really yeah, I, tell you, I, I love that. I tell people when we go there, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, cap the owners right there. Like you, you come to our table every single time we've been there and it just said, Hey everybody. And they're like, who is that? And like, that's the owner. And that goes, <laughs> they're like, that goes a long way. Just that extra touch. And I know you don't necessarily think that it's that, you know, maybe that kind of special up there, but it, it makes a difference. Absolutely. And I, uh, I love hearing that. So going to you, there's little regional and you guys bistro, you know, what can the community, what can Patrick and I, what are you doing? What, what can we do to get this message out and try to 
you know, get more restaurants to um, become more of that farm to table and supporting the local agriculture and the local farmers. As you two personally, or just or anybody, you know, anybody listening, you know, or out there. I would, I would say recognizing all the local uh, farms around here and getting to know those are completely different than a lot of other places. So, for instance, we use a local baker, Eric Glaze. He just opened up a place in Timnath, and you know, there's a new owner at Raisin Roots, and that's right down the street from us. And there's a lot of little patchy farms around here that you kind of see off and on at the farmer's market. And those guys just put their blood, sweat, and tears to have, to make four columns what it is, to represent that giant, huge letter A that's, you know, painted onto the side of Fort Collins. And I have so many people ask me all the time, like, what is the meaning of that? You know, it stands for agriculture, the Aggies. And, you know, you just got to, uh, you just got to keep supporting them and keep going out, keep striving to recognize places that use them. And they do the same for us. So, you know, if, if somebody was buying, let's say, Jodar Farms eggs, they're like, oh, well, where can I get these eggs in town that's at a breakfast place? And, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, these people use our eggs, the regional, you know, uh, little restaurant and jack's uses jack's fort collins of all places you know like they they still use jodar eggs which is awesome and then we use them so instilling those practices getting people to use those eggs and use local product is just gonna be a way that we keep them alive and it's just so much better you know like the, egg is better. the lettuce is so much better everything's better. I mean, you have Kat picked me some rhubarb from her friend's place. Like, let's use what we have and not try to outsource constantly from California and Mexico and all these other places. And it's just so much better to support local. And I think that another thing that people can do is to actually ask where things come from to increase their own awareness. Um, it's hard to support if you don't know that products are local and if you don't care. But if you taste something, you're like, man, that's delicious. Say something to your server. Where did you get this? Because you, like Ryan said, you can really taste the difference between things that are made locally and travel like feet or miles to your restaurant and things that travel hundreds or thousands of miles to your restaurant. I love telling people at lunch that the egg on top of their tartine is from Jodar Farms and that all their microgreens come from Spring Hill Greens. Mm -hmm. um, that stuff makes a really big difference. So I would just say like as a consumer, educate yourself, go to the farmer's market, interact with those people, find out you know where they are in restaurants and go to your restaurants and interact with your servers ask them where their stuff comes from and take note if they're serving, if they being the restaurant is serving local products, the server should be knowledgeable about it. And mm -hmm. if they're washy and they can't answer your question clearly, well, that's a flag right there that they're not actually supporting local businesses and farms because if they were, it would be a point of pride. It's definitely a huge point of pride with us. And I know with little and <clears throat> like we like to brag about it because you know, it's not cheap. It's not easy to do that, but it's super important. 
You guys talked about, you guys talked about, you know, your marketing uh, efforts to continue to get your Tuesday, Wednesday crowd going. How are you guys reaching, you know, folks that are new to Fort Collins and growing that Tuesday, Wednesday crowd? And do you foresee Fort Collins ever being a place? Because one of the things that I love about Fort Collins is we can go walk down restaurant row on Oak Street and there's not going to be a wait on a Wednesday evening, but for a time for those restaurants to be able to pay those higher rents and understand cash flow, having those reservations, you know, six tables deep on a Tuesday evening really makes it a lot easier being successful. So how are you guys, you know, getting the word out and, uh, uh, you know, for people to come in Fort Collins? Cause I will tell you, me and my wife have not been there, but we're excited to try it after this, this, this episode. That's a really good question. Um, I think marketing is something that a lot of restaurants struggle with. And for us, now that we are a, a fancier brand than we were as fish restaurant, it's something I'm, I'm the marketing director. Um, so it's something that I struggle with a lot. Chef is super creative and he comes up with all sorts of funny ideas for uh, things to do on different days. Like we have an industry discount on Tuesdays, but we're going to start like wine and cheese Tuesdays. It's fun to have a gimmick. We do fancy Wednesdays with like cheap oysters and wine. But your question really relates to how do you get the people to know those things? So we have a newsletter and I put out a newsletter every month to month and a half whenever we have something exciting to announce, like a new menu or a special event. And uh, the great thing about having online reservations, we didn't have online reservations as fish, but with Resi, you can take the email addresses of the people that have made reservations and add those to your newsletter list. And so that really helped us to expand our marketing reach and to get diners that otherwise would not necessarily be repeat customers or would not have an awareness of what other things we're doing. Um, we used to do a lot of coupon books, you know, like Valpac with fish, but I honestly really worry about cheapening our brand yeah, as um, a fancier restaurant by being in those. So Ryan and I are doing an experiment this year and uh, we have done a couple ads and quality connections, which goes to a really high income bracket, but we're not really doing a lot of advertising and we're seeing if word of mouth and our reputation can just spread naturally. Like uh, one of our servers who's actually worked with me for 13 and a half years, his tagline at the end of every meal, if they say, oh, it was great. He's like, tell your friends. Um, and that's really what we're trying to do is to spread by telling our friends. I mean, I believe that the reason that we're on this podcast is because Chelsea and Chris told their friends, they went home, they had a good experience and they said, this cool. We want to spread this around in Fort Collins. And uh, yeah, my wife is hard to please on the food front. She loves your food. <laughs> Sorry, Kat, I didn't mean to cut you off. When it cut me off. I think that that's, that's about what I think, chef. What do you think? Uh, I was just saying that a lot of it's all social media nowadays. I think everybody picks their phone up and Googles something or is on Instagram and they see a reel or a story and it's really generating, you know, a lot of uh, younger people, a lot of new people. So I think yeah, that's I think kind of, I think one of the things too with Fort Collins is like it or not, you know, it's a, it's a very growing community where there's people from all over the country that are moving here. You know, that's honestly like where a lot of our business, my, our business with Super Real Estate comes from is out-of-state clients that are bringing a lot of dollars here and Bistro Natil being a higher end. You know, one of the things that, you know, I don't, there's been restaurants that have come in, high-end restaurants. I mean, like 
yeah, Sunny Lubix has been a, a good steakhouse, but you know, um, catacombs for different reasons, you know, wasn't necessarily successful, but you know, we Fort Collins has never had that Michelin star restaurant or the super, super high end because we haven't had the population with incomes to allow us to spend that on a consistent basis or enjoy that experience. And, but I think that's changing a little bit and to your point, yeah, you don't want to water down a brand that clearly, you know, appeals to people with finer taste and understands the quality and the process you guys process that you guys are going through getting the natural ingredients through farm to table. And, uh, you know, over time, yes, that will grow, but it'll be interesting too, you know, and it'll be fun to, uh, you know, market this podcast, but also talk with people that we have relationships with to go and experience that and, and experiment, uh, be strong and teal. So thank you for allowing us to understand a little bit more about your business. Yeah. I, Patrick, you, you nailed that. I, I was going to say this is almost the same thing. I, I, there are people, you know, I talked to uh, California, Boise, Idaho, Indianapolis, all in the last week and they're all moving to Fort Collins. All my clients. <laughs> and they're all, I mean, these, and, you know, one question I have, and I, I think I had a, not an argument, but a conversation with another uh, restaurant owner in town. And I said, do you think the Fort Collins community will pay X amount of dollars for a high-end steak or will spend the money to go to a high-end restaurant? And he was like, I don't know. And I go, I think they will. And I think the demographics are changing. And we're at, you know, Ryan, you were saying, you know, it's a college community and you're seeing this turnover every five years. And that is absolutely true but i think you're going to start to see people from all around the country and all around the world come here and i think there is an appetite no pun intended for uh you know that quality of food and that you know in the in the price point won't matter you know they're going to pay for it because they know it's really good mm-hmm. we sure hope so yeah <laughs> um well hey well, we got we got we got to ask him our question mr mr murphy yes and i got uh, yeah well, i just want to cut touch on one two, two more things one is uh, Taste of Fort Collins. Are you guys doing anything for Taste of Fort Collins? No. No. Let me let me take that one. So uh, Taste of Fort Collins started out as literally a taste of local Fort Collins with like twelve vendors around the oval, and we were there, <laughs> restaurant, and it was awesome. And then you know it moved. It moved downtown. It moved to whatever the name of that park is behind the government offices, yep. and we still there and it was really great and slowly over the years taste of four collins has turned into food trucks but a lot of corporate food trucks or like carnival food trucks very little representation from local businesses and then the big concerts so it's, it's a more of like a music scene yeah yeah i mean it's a really cool like music scene but it is a massive effort to cater to businesses like that like we're or to uh, events like that we're not really set up for that especially with the pop-up tent and all the things so we like to save our um massive effort like that for events that give back to the community like wine fest which supports disabled resource services and the taste which supports the larimer county food bank so we're into doing things like that but we really want it to be events with a cause yeah not money-making kind of not real representation of local Fort Collins events. I think it's kind of a joke at this point that it's called taste of Fort Collins because it's not. It, it, if you go to the website, it's uh, it's uh, there's like a picture of a concert festival. <laughs> it's like, you think it's a music scene, but no, I totally respect that cat. 
And, um, you know, like Patrick said, Patrick and I, we end every podcast because Fort Collins, everybody loves the beer scene in Fort Collins and everything like that. But do you guys have a favorite patio or a watering hole that you'd like to uh, to visit? Ryan, I'm going to start with you after getting done. Where do you like to go grab a beer or is that something that you'll do from time to time? <laughs> uh, currently, I don't drink, but um, back in the day, I used to go to the Crown Pub go in the basement and just hide out down there yeah i don't know i mean if i'm grabbing a beer somewhere i like going or a cocktail i like going let's downstairs but yeah basements away from the general public you just see them all the time you know so it's just like i just want to get away i like it yeah um i love little uh i really love the food that we serve and the environment that we create for people but I can't come eat at my restaurant because when I'm there, I want to jump up and I want to help every table and 17 people want to come and talk to me. So I can't have an intimate experience at Bistro Natil, but Little is very similar to us. I know the owners and they treat me the way I treat other people at my restaurant. So if I'm going to go out and spend money in Fort Collins, it's almost always Little. I also really love Thai at Social. I know Thai owns several restaurants, but uh Social's super great, the charcuterie boards and uh, the attention to detail that he provides with his drinks list. Uh, I really enjoy that. I just like restaurants that try to elevate it a little bit and that show that they care and that, you know, quality ingredients and good cuisine mean something to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, Ty, Ty is a, a great example of how to run a phenomenal uh, restaurant. I mean, walking back behind their in, into their kitchen and how clean everything is, is, uh, and, and they do a good job. So yeah, I agree. And uh, I have not been to little either. So I've got two on my list that I just uh, added. You gotta go little. Little's good. Little's really good. Yeah. But Ty's a great example of how to run an empire. I mean, that man started with just one little place and has expanded and expanded and expanded. And, uh, it's pretty incredible. Like if you're going to make money in the restaurant scene, Ty is a, a really good model. Agreed. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. guys. Chris, Chris, you want to take us out? Yeah. I was just going to say, man, I have a ton of respect for both of you. I mean, we loved you before, but after hearing you talk and, and chef, man, hearing you talk about your, just your passion for the farm to table, like that's what I took from this. And, you know, it's regional, it's little, it's Bistro Nautil. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to push those three and, and, and push the education of you know, asking your server where the ingredients came from. And I, I think that the trajectory of the food scene in Fort Collins after hearing you talk is going up. And, and um, uh, Chef, any final words before we wrap up? No, I just want to thank you guys very much. It's been a blast. And uh, I like talking about things like that because I think, yeah, just things need to be said. Things need to be cleared. And I feel like supporting local is, is definitely the way to go. And all the small business us included that's mainly where i shop and hang out awesome i like it well thank you guys both this will be part of the june episode we can't wait for it and um you guys have a great rest of your day thank you so much again thanks everybody patrick have an awesome day you too guys see ya